Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hello. Happy New Year! Happy New Year again! It's, it's still the New Year. It is. I intend to do this every single podcast. <laughs> Happy New Year! That's it. It's mid-October. What are you doing? Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's still a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here's the thing. So I decided to look at our stats for previous episodes to see how they fare. Okay. So what is the most popular to what is the least popular? So I did our top ten. Uh-huh. Um, and to a certain point, it's pretty predictable. I would say, um, like, Hungry Caterpillar, Goodnight Moon, they... Nope. Oh. No, no. To a certain extent, um, what people do, I think, when they discover a new podcast is they go to the first one. Oh. Um, that's what I always do. I always go to the first one and be like, am I going to like this or not? Tiki so Tiki Tembo. Tiki Tiki Tembo is our number one, which makes sense. It's the oldest one. However, our number two, which our second podcast was Heather Has Two Mommies, but that is number three. Number two is number three. Which was in the night kitchen. Stay with me. And number four is number seven, and number nine is number one. No, number four is number ten. See? Ah. All right, number four, number four, this is important because it makes a huge leap. Went to our tenth episode, which was Berenstain Bears and the Bully. Oh, the one that we hate. Yes. And I think that intrigued them. Possibly because it, we hated it. So, like, we were in agreement of hatred, yeah. um, which does not always happen. Right. And then also because it's not a classic in a lot of ways, and people were like, why is this on this list? I must listen to this one. Oh. It's um, most definitely not a classic, yeah. Exactly. Then it goes, Very Hungry Caterpillar, Good Night Moon. Then it jumps majorly to Love You Forever, oh. which was our 18th. And it's, a, it's right up there. Well, because people think that's a classic, and it ain't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It ain't. No. No, <laughs> no it's not. Um, then, uh, followed closely by Rainbow Fish. Uh, tied, actually, with Rainbow Fish. And then Creepy Carrots, which I credit. Creepy That's carrots. what I credit. That's what I credit to. I credit to your singing of <laughs> Creepy Carrots. Um, and then Hop on Pop. I might have done more than ten. Uh, if I Ran the Zoo, Lan Popo, Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, The Little House, and right there on the bottomy bottom bottomish, uh, Are You My Mother? Ain't nobody caring about whose mother that baby bird That's is. That's too bad. I know, I feel a little bad for that baby bird. I'm sure we said some funny stuff in there. We did. That's people. gold, people. It's people. gold. I want to see Are You My Mother number one, all right? <laughs> Beat that ticky ticky tempo into the dust. Beat it, I say. That sounds wrong. When I say it like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, okay, question for you. Yeah. Who are we? We are humans <laughs> living on Beep this boop. planet. One, zero, zero, three, four. Living in Oh, Chicago. wait, I can't say three, four. I'm a robot. Ah, one, zero, zero, one, one. That's it. I already yeah. screwed up my robot. I'm doomed. When the robo apocalypse <laughs> comes, I'm never going to fake it. Not appropriately. I, I meant to say we're, we're sisters. Yeah! I'm Kate. I'm Betsy. And we talk about children's picture books mm-hmm. and whether they should be classics right. and be 
awesome and amazing and number one on our list. And given to every child on the planet. Woo! Woo! Or the, uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> the Berenstein Bears bully books of the world. <laughs> scuffled scuffled dust beneath our soles of our shoes. The love you forevers. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, see, that book just puts a bad taste in my mouth, so I'm just going to forget it even exists, which is tricky because it's written right here on this piece of paper I'm looking at, but, you know, that's that's life, that is. So here we are in the new year, and we've already done... Uh, one book, but I have decided today is a, it's not a very, very special, but it's a pretty special episode day. We're going to do uh, a very popular book that is seasonal and that I have been waiting for this weather for. And now the weather has come, and now we can finally do this book, which I have been wanting to do for a little while. So I'm going to pull it out here, put a little drum roll. Booty, 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 booty. The Snowy Day. Bye! Ezra Jack Keats? Yes! Have you ever read this? Nope. You've never read this? Nope. Okay. Well, this is a very famous book. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it's the most it's... famous, famous of fa fa fame. Here's, here's my proof. Uh, right now, the uh, post office is selling Snowy Day stamps, which I couldn't get when I asked at Christmas time because they were sold out. That is how famous this book is. I've never even heard of it. Okay. It's so famous. Say, how famous is it? How famous is it? It's so famous <laughs> that they made a Christmas special out of it with Boys to Men last year. I do love me some Boys to Men. I think you would love this Christmas special. Did I see it? I did not. Uh, yes, it's uh, so this edition I have is the 50th anniversary edition. Uh, the book was originally written in 1962. If we did math, uh, we could figure out when this book <laughs> came out. <laughs> Go over, to it, readers. Over this 50 years ago. No, surely not. No. No one, no one was, was alive, alive then. Exactly. <laughs> this is now officially the Eddie Zed podcast. So, yep, you just take this book, you read this book up. You do not have to read the copious back matter, which is copious. Okay. Okay. That means to say not not on the back of the book. The stuff um, at the end of the book is called the back matter. Gotcha. You did you did a nice little flip there of the cover. I did. <laughs> yes. And I'm like Betsy. There's nothing here. That's an ISBN. Thank you very much. Yep. That's something. All right. Don't read it. And yes. snow. Yes. Yeah. Lots of snow. Okay. A whole day of it. Okay. While Kate reads the book, I'd like to talk about a behind-the-scenes moment involving today's title. Now, in the past, I've done quiz questions. I would rather not do those anymore because I have to keep track of when I've done a question and what the answer is next week. That's that's horrendous for me. It requires using my brain. This is much easier. What I'm going to do is, uh, while Kate reads these books, I'm going to give a little, little peek behind the curtain, a little, little behind the scenes. And in this case, this book that we're talking about today, The Snowy Day, won the Caldecott proper. Mr. Ezra Jack Keats gave a speech uh, for the Caldecott banquet, as one does. And this is a fun sort of... Uh, thing that he brought up in the speech. When his father, Benjamin Katz, died on in January of 1935, um, Keats, on the day before his high school graduation, had to identify his father's body. And for the first time, learned that his father had been proud of his work. So in this Caldecott Medal speech, Keats shared the experience. Quote, I found myself staring deep into his secret feelings. There, in his wallet were worn and tattered newspaper clippings of the notices of the awards I had won. My silent admirer and supplier, 
He had been torn between his dread of my leading a life of hardship and his real pride in my work. I really like that. That was a lovely thing for him to bring up. Back, backy, back, back. Back, back. Hello. Hi. You're back. I am. You read a book. I did. It's a book about a day. A snowy day. It is. It's not a rainy day. Not a sunny day. Not a muddy day. <laughs> what? Did I don't know. Maybe there was a horrible hurricane. Mud is being <laughs> splattered all over the streets of New York. Who knows? But no, it's a snowy day. Yeah. A far prettier day than all of those. But nobody here knows what this book's about. Oh. So, here's I mean, a challenge for you. Uh-oh. Uh, now, ideally, yeah. what I would like would be for you to read it like Ed Wynn, but you probably don't know who Ed Wynn is. Nope. Dang. Then I was thinking Eddie Azard, but then I couldn't figure out how does one read like Eddie Azard. It's just a British accent. It's just a British accent. Yeah. And maybe there's no words in here that are particular, or phrases that are particularly And we've already quoted him earlier, so. Exactly. So we've already, like, checked that little Eddie Azard Mm -hmm. box off of this particular podcast. Uh, so the only thing I could figure, um, was I couldn't figure anything at all. What would you like to do? Oh. Um. Reader's choice. Well, I mean, I was getting the vibe that this was in New York. So it I, is in New York. So I could do like a, like a Linda Richmond's, like a New York coffee yes. talk sort of thing. Like That is what we shall do. Do that. Okay. Peter wakes up to discover that snow has covered the entire city in the night. Oh, delighted, he pulls on his bright red and now world-known snowsuit and plunges into a day of exploring and playing. He makes fun tracks, he smacks snow off branches of trees, oh, he constructs a smiling snowman and slides down steep mountains of white powder. At the end of the day, his mother gets him out of his wet clothes and gives him a nice hot bath. The next morning, the snow is still there and an ecstatic Peter calls up his friends to do the whole day over again. Oh, I'm getting verklempt. So what'd you think? Uh, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very pretty. Yeah. And on the first page, he's got no legs! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Joy, you almost oh, spit out your wine everywhere. What the, how's he, how's he walking around out there he's if he's got, got no legs? He's got no legs and no fingertips. Well, it's a very all-encompassing blanket. <laughs> but yes, in order for yeah. him to do that, it does in fact look like... Somebody has removed Peter's legs and fingertips. Yeah, as soon as I opened that up, I was like, he's got no legs! He's got no legs! <laughs> oh, he oh. does. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Um, and then he goes ahead and puts on his uh, his snowsuit. Completely after... awesome red snowsuit. You know what it reminds me of? What's that? A Teletubby. <gasps> he came first. So I guess they were just copying him. Yeah. I, I mean, if, okay, 20 points if you can name the red Teletubby. Who does he look like? I, is it Poe? I was going to say Poe too, but that's only because that's the only Teletubby who well, I remember the name of. Or Tiddlywink, isn't that uh, one? Who was the purple one? Oh. Oh, that one was famous. You have kids. You should yeah. know. Oh, please. Like they would watch that ancient programming that came out like 20 years before their birth. Jeez. <laughs> like, yeah. Fun fact, people. Uh, Lloyd Alexander of the Perdane Chronicles, huge fan of the Teletubbies. True fact. Moving on. That was a lot of words Sorry. I didn't understand. So, <laughs> As was my intention. But I'm going through this, and I can't figure out, is the art 
watercolor? Is it a collage? Is it paper on paper? Is it drawings with a pencil? Well, there's a very easy way to find that out. Usually, uh, in the publication page of any book, now I say any book, but sometimes publishers don't like to give this information, but they will actually say how the book was made. Um, I don't know if they do it for the older books. I was kind of hoping that they would, but... No, they're not going to say. I know that he was sort of a cut paper specialist, but I don't know if he did an Eric Carle thing and made his own paper. I mean, clearly some of this is painting. Right. Yeah, he's definitely with yeah, the background. Some of it is painting, but some of it is paper on paper. It's definitely paper tell. on paper. He and must have done some painting as well. And then I, he's got like some pencil work with mm -hmm. the face. Yeah. So this This is exactly the kind of question I should know the answer to and do not. That's right. You could yeah. just make something up. I did make something up. Oh. You couldn't tell? Nope. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty happy yeah, with it right good. now. Yeah. Also, I like the fact that he takes a stick and he doesn't hit a tree to make the snow come down. He smacks it. He smacks it. <laughs> He's a smacker. A stick that was just right for smacking. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when you read it like that. That's, that makes it sound better even. I mean, they, they could have said any word and they said smacking. Smacking. Um, so... Here's something I noticed mm. that I don't know if you would notice. Probably not. I think it's pretty fair to say whatever you notice, I never notice. So so you see the kid has a face. He does. None of the other kids, or even his mom, have yeah. faces. Just this, just... Does the kid, I guess the kid next door you only see from behind. Right. Yeah, but you're nobody, right. But no, not the oh. other kids, not the mom. What a clever way for the illustrator to make you identify solely with the main character the most. I mean, if the red snowsuit didn't do it, then... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, extend a huge comics metaphor here, okay? Hear me out here. Hear me out. Okay. Let's get psychological on this. When you think of yourself, like, what you look like talking to someone else, yeah. you have a very vague, outline-ish understanding of your own face. Yeah. Yeah, but you have a very clear idea of the face that you're talking to. When you flip that around in a book, I guess you would identify more with the face that you could see than the face you don't see. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just fascinated by his choices. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, this is something I usually bring up with comics, but this is different, so yeah. Um, also, I think it's interesting that um, when he goes back to sleep... <laughs> And he, you know, mm -hmm. he, uh, it's like all this static. It looks like a, from a TV. It does. I never like, noticed that before. Like a Teletubby turning off. Huh? Uh, I was thinking, okay, you know what we used to call that, though? When snow? That, yeah, we used to call it snow. And so he's put television snow, even I, though there's no, like, television. But that's, that is what it looks like. You're right. Yeah. I'm ignoring your Teletubby comment, but I am grabbing with both hands that observation about the snow there. And the, and the reason that I thought that this was in New York mm -hmm. is because it says at the very end, ah. after breakfast, he calls to his friend from across the hall. Okay, so apparently, and I didn't read this as much as a kid either, but I knew someone who once said, yeah, that totally threw me off as a kid. Like, because she had grown up in suburbia in a house. And right. then, how could you have a friend across the hall? How insane is that concept? And I just have to wonder, because I just don't know, how many kids in picture books at that time weren't living in houses? Like, how many... I mean, they know that there were picture books where kids lived in apartments, but well, when this, this takes it as so... This is, this is 1962? 
So okay. this and this takes it for granted. So, so like are... it doesn't explain like now Peter lives in a big city in an apartment building. Like it, there is no explanation. It's simply friend lives cross hall. You know what that means kids because you're a New York kid. You understand this. You so get there, this. So it's a little past the the baby boomer age, right? Well, no, I think it's in the thick of it to a certain age because the baby boomers continued through the early sixties. So. So and if this yeah. is sixty two, mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe it's on the cusp. It's not quite Gen X, so yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Well, wow, that's very good. All right, so when I did my top hundred uh, list here, uh, it was number five. Wow. Of all the picture books of all time. I mean, now, it doesn't really have much of a plot. Nope, doesn't have much of a plot. It, it, it's true. It just looks cool. It looks cool. Well, and, and of it's course, something you can read in the wintertime. Well, it is, and of course, uh, Peter Peter's black. Yeah. And. Black kids just doing stuff in a picture book uh, wasn't, wasn't too common back then. Now, a lot of people, that has led a lot of people to believe that Ezra Jack Keats was himself black. No, he's like the corduroy guy. He's like the corduroy guy. He's Jewish. <laughs> his name is Ezra Jack Keats, which may not have been his original name. And uh, got the idea uh, when he saw this, ty- this little boy uh, in, a, in a Life magazine... Um, it's sort of like almost a comic sequence of him, uh, getting a shot. And it's the saddest little sequence in the entire world because, uh, he asks if Tess will hurt. Trustingly, he holds out hand. Tess hurt, and he starts to cry. Poor kid. But something about this kid just, like, grabbed Ezra Jack Keats' imagination. He's like, I must make a book about this child. And not getting a shot. (laughs) Yeah, but not about getting a shot because that's super sad. So he did this book instead. And uh, it was a huge old hit, but it was a huge old hit that was controversial. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, So, but for so many different reasons. It wasn't like a single thing. So let's go through the different reasons here. Racism? <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. Um, he was accused of uh, stereotyped characters. The mom was accused... Well, first of all, uh, the mom was accused of being uh, a mammy character because she is large and overweight and uh, and wearing a, a house dress. So even though, you know, there's no bandana, they were like, uh, yeah, she's a huge figure in a gaudy yellow plaid dress. Um, and uh, in the Saturday Review, Nancy Lyric uh, said there were two flaws in the book. That was one. And the other one was that it omitted the word Negro. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, Nancy Lyric. Uh, thou did not know what thou <laughs> hast thought would be appropriate. She was like, clearly that's the thing this book needed to push it over over the top there. Is this the part where the awkward turtle comes in? Yeah. Awkward yeah. turtle. Awkward turtle. And down it goes. One of Caldecott, because librarians are smart people. And, uh, let's see. Oh, yes, he was, uh, oh, right. And then he was, um, first-generation American son of Eastern European Jewish immigrants who had settled in Brooklyn. Um, why did he make this character black? Um, but he did, and then it won the Caldecott the same year that A Wrinkle in Time won the Newberry. Which means, back then, when people went to the Newberry Caldecott banquets, they got all dressy. Here is Madeline Langle dressed to the nines in the back of this 50th anniversary. You can see a picture of her. And then you can see him in his white suit jacket and his black bow tie. Kind of looks like a Frank Sinatra. He looks exactly like Frank Sinatra. 
Except he's cooler because he makes picture books. Yep, I love that picture because some people dress up these days, but I don't see that many tuxes. <laughs> and uh, that's yeah. not, it's not as black tie as it could be. And I think it should be. Um, Eric Carl has his own museum, but Mr. Keats has a foundation. He has also his own award, which is given to new children's book authors and illustrators every year. Um, he is, as I mentioned before, on stamps. Oh, and there's like just a bagazillion sequels to this. Um, there's Whistle for Willie. There's Goggles. And they're not in the wintertime. It's like all these kids that live in this neighborhood. And they're great because they are, uh, they're full of graffiti and the grossness of city life, but in kind of a romanticized way, hmm. which is kind of cool. I love them. Um, though one of them involving puppets disturbed me highly as a child. So that's me, though. So that's they're written by the same guy. Yeah, they're all written by the same guy. Though, of course, when he died, then people were like, oh, it's Peter and friends. Now we're going to take his characters and someone else will illustrate them. And it's highly disturbing. I, was, I wonder if the oh. sequels have anyone else have faces or if it's just... Yeah, no, their faces suddenly become, like, super prominent. Huh. Yeah. Um, he did, this, this was the first, and then after this, he got far more detailed in that way. But it is interesting, yeah, that, you know, for one thing, this book doesn't have any graffiti in it at all, but of course you wouldn't really notice that in this wintertime anyway. Right. So, makes sense. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much, I mean, there are things to say. There's a statue of Peter uh, in New York City, in, in, in Brooklyn, in does Prospect Park. Does he look like Park. a Teletubby? He does not, because it's <laughs> not from this book. That's the weirdo thing. It's from his sequel, Whistle for Willie, where he's got this little uh, wiener dog. Named Willie. Hmm. And uh, so he's sitting. It's very realistic. It's like a real boy sitting on a mound while this wiener dog, which is a little more cartoony, is like putting his front paws trying to get up to him. Um, it's cool. But he is one of the very few, I'll say, 20th century characters to have their own statue. Hmm. So, which is cool. Yeah. So, yeah, groundbreaking book. Um... What do you think? Ratings time, man. I just sprung that on you. Ratings time. Boo! 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 Well, it doesn't have a, really a plot. Mm -mm. It's just a kid walking around in snow and what yep. you can do on a snowy day. It's true. Um, Makes kids jealous, I can tell you that much. It's it's really pretty to look at. I like the different types of art. I like the, the paper on paper. I like the watercolor. I like... You know, the different uses of yeah. art throughout, well, the, the different like backgrounds for each page. I mean, look at this page where he's uh, climbing his quote-unquote mountain of snow, and then he slides down, and they've, he's done, I don't know, these like fibers of white wool or whatever this is, but it, it sort of gives the impression of blowing, you know, when the snow blows off a building, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like hanging there in the air. It kind of looks like smoke. And it looks like smoke, too, which would make sense, this being... New York City. Also, love the fact none of the snow is uh, brown. Because <laughs> that's what I think of. When I think of beautiful snow uh, in New York City. Also love the fact this is from a time period where a kid who, I'm going to be generous and say he's five, can just walk around outside. Yep. Busy city streets. Yeah, sure. Why not? And he put on his snowsuit. Yeah, not... okay, so that suggests that he's like five or six, I'd say, yeah. Because... That thing looks really difficult to put on. <laughs> it does. It's got so many parts to it. Yeah. Though I think his mom helps him take it off, which, you know. Right. Understandable. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, 
It's, I mean, it's nice to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, Reads aloud well to groups. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't love it. Yeah. But it's pretty. <laughs> oh, and I didn't even mention there was a book out uh, last year about Ezra Jack Keats called A Poem for Peter, which emulated the style very well, but as sort of a biographical look at his life. Hmm. I should have brought that in. Didn't do it. I think it's a good book to read on a on a snowy day like today. Mm-hmm. You know, you got that's it, why it's, I picked it. Sub zero temperatures and the snow is piling up, and you need something to do with your kid. And well, this is and a... we're right now. It's too cold for us to have snow. I'm waiting for our snowy day so it finally gets a little warmer. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a nice book to read to your kid on a snowy day afternoon. Sure you know? is. Um, You're hedging. You're hedging. Yeah. I need a number here. Give me a number. Uh, I'm going to go with a 6.7. All right. All right. I'm going to go, this may be, I'm going to like look, like, what other books have we done? This may be the highest I go. Um, I really like this Wait, book. Wait, no, I think the highest you went before was like a, like a 10 with uh, Hungry Caterpillar. Did I go 10? Okay, well, this, I'm not going that high. Okay, I'm not going that high. I'm not giving it a 10. Because um, I think Hungry Caterpillar is doing... It's doing multiple more things. things. Yeah. It's doing more things. It's teaching um, you. Yeah, it's teaching you even as it's telling a story. And this this is just telling a story and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's a different kind of book. Um, but I am going nine. I'm going pretty high. I'm going nine on this one. The it, it, it set the standards. It set the tone. But it also is just, I just really like it. Oh. Um, it's just a really good snowy day book. Look, I read a lot of snow books. They all are trying to be this, but it got it right in one. It wasn't the first book about going out and playing in the snow. It won't be the last book that goes out and playing in the snow. But, and maybe it's because I lived in New York City and this feels so true. Like, the streets look right to me. Um, You know, the apartment looks right to me. Like, that view from his bedroom of the snowy top of the other apartment buildings, like there, that's, that's just reality as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. Maybe I'm overly, overly praising it, overly loving it, but I love it so much. Are you romanticizing it because you lived in the city it takes place in? There's a danger of that, and it's possible, but I I read a lot of books set in New York, and some of them are crap, so <laughs> I think this one's better. Um, which also, there you go, maybe I'm just loving it so much because I've read so much crap. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, are you comparing it to other books when you shouldn't be? No. I don't think so. I think it just stands completely beautifully on its own. I think if this book came out, let's say this book comes out this year. I've never heard of it before. It comes out, hits the shelves. I think I'd love it. I think I would be saying, like, this is Caldecott worthy. I think I'd be crazy about it. I honestly think that. So, nine. Sticking with my nine. Sticking with my guns. Together, it's a classic. It's a classic! Yay! (laughs) You're in safe hands, Ezra Jackitza. I know you're worried. Well, that's nice. All right, letters. We've got letters. We've got lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. Some of these are letters from last week, and then we keep getting them, so I'm not even going to get to all the letters today. I've got more saved up. Cool. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right. First up comes from Misty. Misty says, I hope Kate is feeling better. We'll check Aww. on that. Are you feeling better? I'm all right. Yeah. All right. The antibiotics really helped. Good. Um, yeah. Wash your all hands, right. people. Drink fluids. 
Well, she was concerned because she says, I think she's harsher on books when she's not feeling well. Uh, <laughs> also, I have to disagree with you, Betsy. Oh, so there you go. Turns on me. Madeline's Met Rescue is clearly superior to the original. Oh, no. Uh, I hate no. it. I would hate on Madeline whether I'm sick or healthy. Yeah, and I would disagree. Madeline's Rescue has that weird sequence with the visiting people who run the school and it, it goes on just a, just a hair too long and then there's puppies. It's a whole thing. Uh, and then she says, proof that adding a dog to any book is an immediate improvement or that childhood me could not identify with appendicitis but could definitely relate to the desire to own a dog. That is a strong case. That yeah. is a strong point. I, I do see that. Yep. Um, but really... You must do Eloise at some point in the future. Maybe next time Kate is sick, because I despise Eloise. So, uh, good idea. Next time you're sick, we're doing Eloise. All right, give me like, yeah, I don't know, six weeks. Okay, right. sounds like a plan. <laughs> you just let me know. All right, this next one comes from Sarah. She says, to possibly make Kate feel better about that poor left-behind engine, which is to say, in the little engine that could, we were both... Feeling so sad for that red engine that just got completely abandoned. Yeah, that little gopher should have knocked out that clown's knees for being so mean. <laughs> well, she says, here's this from Wikipedia on the movie version of the little engine that could. Um, and it says that there was a 1991 film adaptation where the engine's personalities are expanded on, including the granting of names. Okay, so here's the name. Sounds right? like Thomas the Tank Engine. Like that's Well, it was, I actually looked this up and it was Welsh. Oh. And I almost wrote down the Welsh title, and we were going to have fun pronouncing it, and then I thought, that's a cruel thing to do to people, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and we would get it wrong no matter what, and then we get a bunch of angry Welsh people writing to us. So, <laughs> here are the names. All right, I know you're, I know you're on tenderhooks. Yep. Farnsworth mm -hmm. is the express engine. I approve. Mm -hmm. Pete is the freight engine. Mm -hmm. Georgia is the friendly engine of the toy train. I assume that's the original engine. Jebediah is the elderly engine. Makes sense. Jebediah. <laughs> Tilly. Tilly is the name of the little engine that could. And I know you're really concerned about what the name of the clown is. Uh, that's Rolo. Oh, and then they I added a... Rolo. Well, and oh. here's the crazy thing. They added a six-engine character who was called Doc, who appeared briefly to recover the broken-down Georgia and thus tie up the hanging story thread of what happens to the failed engine of the toy train, which all other versions leave unaddressed. Hmm. And then she says, as always, ladies, fantastic stuff. It makes sense Keep that, the, the work. that it's named Doc, you know, to yeah, take care of the I guess, the but I think engine. of Doc from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, I just think... Who, as far as we know, had no medical degree. She's in the glass coffin. He has done nothing to try to recover her. Come back, Betsy. Come I'm back. Just say. <laughs> I'm a little mad about this. Come back. You're off the path. What come, are you talking about? Come back. This is totally on track. <laughs> uh, Doc. We'll have a whole episode about Snow White. Apparently. I just have so many problems with that guy. All right. Oh yeah, we could do it. Snow no, White. Yeah, no, that'd be great. All right. <laughs> Next time. Uh, and the last one comes from Mom. Uh, so I think we had a debate at one point about what a Tarantella was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a song. It, uh, well, fun fact, a tarantella is so named because if you were bitten by a tarantula, dancing it until you dropped would save you. And since tarantula bites aren't fatal, it worked very well. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Apparently that's where that comes from. Also, uh, she completely disagreed with my assessment of the film Lady Bird. Um, I think it's a comedy. She does not. She was very uncomfortable with it. 
which leaves me baffled. I cannot imagine how you would be uncomfortable with that film. So uh, we differ on that point. Okay. All right. Grown-up things we like. <laughs> Grown-up things we like. You go first. Okie dokie. I have an app and a scale. Oh. So it's the new year. And uh, and my office, this makes me feel like I work at a place with like a water cooler uh, and stuff like that. I don't. There's no water cooler. Maybe I should insist on one. But uh, the employees, we decided we were going to have a Biggest Loser contesting, and uh, we're going to try to lose some weight. And so we all downloaded my favorite app for this. Uh, that's the free app, uh, Lose It. I love Lose It because you can attach it to your little, uh, you know, your little health app that's already on your iPhone. And then you put in the calories for everything you eat, and you can scan the barcodes of the things that you don't know what the calories are. And, uh, and it's, uh, I love it. It's very, it's fun. It gives you badges when you do well. <laughs> but then, uh, you, my dear, got me a lovely, uh, scale. Only um, because you asked for it. Exactly. No, that's true. I have to make Let's this clear. Let's be clear. I'm not okay. dropping hints. No. I'm not being like, no. <clears throat> no. Kate wasn't saying like, well, that chair you sit in every week seems to get a little lower and lower every time. Like, Maybe we should do something about that. Like, no. No, no, no. I asked specifically because Kate had this awesome scale and I wanted it because apparently if you stand on it and your bare feet, radio waves go through your body and it can tell the scale. The scale can tell you like, um, what like your body mass index is and, and your, your water body weight. water and your body yeah. fat. Now the one problem with this scale, um, which I believe is called the one by one wellness scale. Yeah. I, I believe. Which you can find on Amazon for like $30, $35. Yeah. It's mean as crap when it comes to your self image because it will say outright like you're chubby. You're overweight in this area or that area. You know what? We need to just stop sugarcoating things. Like, get to the point. Am I am uh -huh. I thin or am I fat? Am yeah. I, you know. Well, there you go. Do my I friend. need more water? Do I not need more water? Just get to the point. People. Is that what body water is? Body water, and then it says if you're standard, optimal, or inadequate. Yeah. Anyway, I've been having a lot of fun with that, uh, and so I do that, and I also do my little app, and I'm feeling very healthy right now. Yeah, I like how the app shows you, like it tracks every day, so you can see a little, like, you know, graph. I love graphs so much, yeah, especially when they're about me. <laughs> yes. Okay. I need, like, my whole life, if my whole life could just be graphed, like. You're so weird. It'd be so much fun. You don't even like math. Okay, all right. I don't like math, I like graphs. Look, I'm literally on Did you a... look up that Nickelback thing? <sighs> yes. Look at this graph. I did, and actually. And then that's it. I did actually look it up. Yeah. I had to put it on the show notes, so yes, <laughs> I did look it up. And by the way, here's the, here's the fun, weird part. Um, I'm actually on a committee that awards uh, math books. I kid you not. I've been on it for the last four years. <laughs> I've nothing but respect for math. Just not good at myself. Yep. 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 Okay. Anyway, what's your thing? So, I um, traveled this weekend. Mm-hmm. And Where'd you go? I went to Vegas. <laughs> You're like a jet setter. Like, I've been to Vegas and Australia and yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Travel the world. But, uh, but I wanted to, so, you know, as part of my 12-point thing that I like to do every month, one of my points is read a book. Oh. And I only had, like, a couple days left to finish a book. And I finished The Order of Oddfish by James Kennedy. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it was awesome. I totally Thank got into you. it. Now, do you agree with the assessment from School Library Journal that it's depraved? Depraved? They called it depraved. Depraved? Yeah. Well, you know, the guy with the nose and, blah, blah, yeah, and he, yeah. like sticks it into the girl, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I thought that well, was a little brave, a little diamond. I liked it. I liked it too. I uh, I I kind of and I don't know if people are gonna get mad about this. Um, James might get mad about this, but <laughs> I kind of was feeling some Harry Potter vibes. Maybe like you, you did got, come out in the thick of it. Like you got this main character who's mm. young. Mm-hmm. She's put in a brand new world. Mm-hmm. She starts getting her close friends. There's something about her that's magical. Mm-hmm. She has to confront the the biggest, um, meanest possible monster, you know, True. that's True. very personal to her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to give it away whether she overcomes it or not, but, mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm comparing it to Harry Potter, you can probably That's very guess. interesting. I, almost, um, I want to read it now. I want to reread it. I have read it before, but I want to read yeah, it. Yeah, I was just getting a lot of similarities. Yeah. And, and I liked Harry Potter, so I I, I dug this book. And All so, right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, hey. Yeah, I'd say if you like Harry Potter and you like strong female characters, you should read this book. Excellent. Yeah. I agree. That is an excellent suggestion. Cool. Wonderful. All right, guys. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. See ya. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8, that's Fuse and 8, E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givens Kime, and our Wizard of Lightbulb Moments is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal. <laughs>